Greetings, fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about the brand new Commander Legends Precon. We have both of the deck lists here in front of us, but we're going to be doing one this episode and then one next episode. So the first one we're going to talk about here is the Reap the Tide. It is the brand new Saw. I was about to say Saltai. It's not Saltai, it's Simic. The brand new Simic deck. But before we get into that, we have our upkeep trigger to do. Paul, do you have any plays of the week? I unfortunately do not. Yet again, it has been a busy week at school, and I have not managed to find my tripod. So I am on a little bit of a hiatus for now. Man, you're uh, you're really letting down that call to arms I gave you last <laughs> week, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's been a pretty, pretty busy week for all of us. Um, I think I've only gotten a couple of games in this week. One of them was with the brand new Golos list we put together a couple episodes back. That was... A lot of fun. I actually managed to keep Bruvac on the field for longer than two turns uh, before people went, hang on a second, what does that card do? Because uh, one of the other players, uh, I can't remember what commander he was playing, but he was able to get out. Oh, he lurking predators into a Terror of the Peaks and then kept um, playing big and big, bigger and bigger creatures to then, you know, wipe the board like you do with Terror of the Peaks. And every single time I was sitting there in my chair going, oh God, do not hit Bruvac, do not hit Bruvac, do not hit Bruvac. So he didn't hit Bruvac, turned on my turn, and I kind of went to the group and I was like, all right, I kind of have to do this now because I have no other opportunity to ever do this again. And I resolved a kicked Maddening Cacophony and with Bruvac, it lets you mill. So that pretty much milled everyone's entire libraries away, except for one player who had the ability to keep shuffling their li- their graveyard into their library with uh, one of the Ulamogs, or one of the, yeah, I think it's Ulamog, uh, the infinite Gaia. And because of that, he had to, I had to make sure that he could draw it into his hand, but then he had less cards in his hand that he couldn't discard at the end of his turn. So I went and I played a Trinket Mage to go and get an Altar of the Brood and I also was able to resolve a consuming aberration as well. So I was able to, you know, kind of mill him a little bit there. Got him to no cards in library with a with his Ulamog in his hand. And he went, yeah, okay, you win. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a lot of hoops to jump through to try to figure out how to make that work. And the whole, like, Discord was just like, how's he going to pull it off? Like, he's never going to win. You know, he was able to bow of Nylea things back to his library, so... At the end of my step, sorry, at the end of my turn, I was able to destroy his Bow of Nylea before he had any mana to do anything with it. And uh, yeah, it was just one of those clutch moments, but I pulled it out and it was its very first win with that deck. Congrats. The Milgram is uh, <laughs> doing his thing. Yeah, it like it didn't really do much throughout the whole game. I was holding up Mana Cacophony in my hand. I had uh, Jace's Archivist on the field and everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to wheel everyone. And then I played uh, the Leyline of the Void and everything hit the grave i hit the exile instead and they all got very worried about that because of the fact of you know like instead of hitting the graveyard everything's hitting exile instead and then they got rid of that and i kind of put a target on my back because of it but i mean it was a lot of fun i was looking for that helm of uh, helm of awakening to just knock out that straight win with the with the infinite combo but i'm glad i did it in the most jankiest way possible it was it was a kind of like how do i dig for answers in a deck that i haven't played all that much you just play golos and dig three at a time I mean, that's very true. <laughs> I didn't have enough mana to do that, though. It was just like, I had other things in my hand that I wanted to do, and I was like, I was always one mana short from being like, oh, I'll just cast Golos, you know, I'm sorry, not, not cast Golos, but I'll activate Golos and I'll exile three and then do that. And I did that once uh, to the board, and I got to resolve a tragic arrogance, and the board went, uh-oh, what does that do again? And that was the greatest <laughs> moment ever. When someone goes, uh-oh, what does tragic arrogance do? Because uh, the last deck that I, we were playing against was uh, it was a Glissad deck. It was Glissad Artifacts, and he'd flashed in a... Is it Darksteel Forge that makes all artifacts indestructible? Yeah. Yeah, so he had uh, he had flashed that in, and I was like, uh-oh, okay. And then my tragic arrogance came out, and he was like, oh, no! So it was very fun to be able to like, all right, see all those lovely playfields you have. Um, they're all going to go now. And uh, I know we mentioned this on the show before, but Tragic Arrogance is the first rules question that James ever asked me about. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it was. Good times. But aside from that Golos deck here, we have a brand new deck to talk about, and that is AC Tyrant of Gaia Strait. This card looks like a lot of fun. It looks like it's very generic Simic of what Simic want to be doing. But I mean, that's not a bad thing, really. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like this one, Paul. I think it's really interesting that they printed the line of text, play an additional land on a pre-constructed 
commander. Yeah, it's not something we really see. I mean, we did see it on uh, on Tulane, but I mean, he was a brawl deck, so I guess it was a little bit different. Co- Cohen's a little different because he just lets you put the land in play. Like he's he's just absolutely absurd. But just this line of text is car- is something that we see on cards that are traditionally pretty powerful or pretty pretty busted. Like this is an effect that is very abusable. And he happened to have another line of text that lets you abuse that ability as well. Yeah, so, so let's just I was like, let's <laughs> just let's just read the card here first real quick. So AC Tyrant of Gaia Strait is a four green and a blue five five legendary creature serpent that says you may play an additional land on each of your turns. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. So I guess it's kind of like which one's better, this or Tatiova Benthic Druid? I think that depends on what you value more. So Tatiova is one mana less uh, you don't get to play an additional land, but you do get the card and you get a life, which isn't much at first, but it adds up over time. AC, you can get a draw up to two cards. As a matter of fact, you can get value the turn that you play them because you get to play another land from your hand. So in that respect, you can consider Tatyova and AC roughly the same mana cost because ideally you'd want to play Tatyova on a turn where you can play a land and get value. But mana cost aside, it really depends on if you value the life gain or the potential for more card draw this card i think would draw more hate simply because you get to play another land each of your turns so you know over a few turns you're getting way ahead of your opponents yeah i personally think that this card is better and i i I think that way because i am more of a mid-range slash control player so i value the repeated value i'm sorry i value the more value over time more than Tatyova's, you know, little additional, like, life gain. But um, I know there are some real Tatyova lovers out there, and she's pretty popular because, you know, a lot of people have her. She was an uncommon. Uh, obviously, she's very powerful, and there was no reason for her to ever be an uncommon, but, you know, that's in the past. Yeah, she definitely should have been, a, like, a rare. I mean, you look at, like, Tatyova compared to Joyra, and Joyra was a mythic, and it's very much the same thing. You know, you play a zero-drop artifact, you draw a card. You play another one, you draw a card. You play another one, you draw a card, you know? Like, it lends well, itself to a very Storm County kind of deck, and I feel like Tatsiova almost does the same. Like, every time I verse the Tatsiova deck, it's always been, all right, well, here's two lands, I'm going to draw two cards, I'm going to gain two life, and then keep doing it. And it's like, oh my lord, can you just, like, stop for five seconds and let me take a turn? <laughs> I think I play Tatsiova in my colon deck. I mean, and why wouldn't I, you? I, it's like you you get to play a land with with Tulane. You then have a trigger to draw, you know, to draw an additional card and also gain a life. Like it's just free real estate there. So I think I think AC and Tatyova fill the same void kind of, and I think it really just depends on what your overall play style is. If you value a more controlly style, I think Tatyova is probably better for you. But if you value mid range more, uh, where the light gain doesn't matter as much because you plan on winning you know, within the coming turns, then I think AC is a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I mean, but, like, you could always just play both. I mean, we didn't. Uh, we didn't add Tatiova to this deck at all. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> hashtag spoiler content. My bad. We didn't add Tatiova to this deck. Uh, we did add some other spicy stuff because, you know, ta- like, like Paul was saying, Tatiova and AC kind of just fill that same kind of niche and the kind of the, the same the, like the same role essentially in the deck so what we're going to do now is we're going to do this like we usually do all of our deck techs so we're going to break it down into, into our categories and then at the end we're going to tell you what we took out of the deck and what we would think we would add to the deck with you know about a 30 dollar limit so you know you pick this deck up for i think it's retailing for about 20 dollars. i think it's a little more online because of the uh some of the cards in here are pretty nuts compared to like like other pre-cons for reprints. And because of that, I think it's commanding a little bit of a higher price. But I mean, if you can pick this up for its its retail price of about $20 and add about a $30, $30 into it, you've got a pretty decent focused, uh, probably about a, like a good six or a seven on the power scale. If you go off the, like the command zones power scale, pretty focused deck to be able to pull out on your Friday nights um, or whenever you play magic and just smash face with this uh, amazing Simic deck. Right, yeah. Uh, actually, I'll go through this later. I was gonna, I was gonna mention that there are some things that we didn't change that seem like obvious changes, but I'll talk about that later when we actually. Yeah, I think as it comes up, we'll talk about those ones. So we're gonna do our card draw section here first, like we usually do. We'll do card draw. We'll go into a bit of a ramp, and we'll we'll go from there. We'll kind of like get the how the deck kind of wants to draw cards and ramp get out of the way and get into the the more fun stuff we want to talk about. And um, the card draw section here, this is mostly unchanged, so. Everything that you see here is from the original list. Yes. So the first one we're going to be talking about is Compulsive Research. 
Compulsive Research is a two and a blue sorcery that says target player draws three cards, then that player discards two cards unless he or she discards a land card. Compulsive Research is amazing. If you're not playing this card and you're like mid-power decks, then you're missing out on some... Like, it's a three-mana draw three, right? Even if you yeah. discard two cards, most often you'll discard just one because you're going to discard the land anyway. Especially in this deck, um, you'll have a lot of lands in hand, I feel. Yeah, like th this card is just absolutely bonkers. Uh, I probably wouldn't play it as much in higher power decks, but in the in the mid level, this is just really efficient card draw, and I think it's a little underplayed for how good it is. I actually haven't seen this card being played like ever. <laughs> I, I used to play it in Marisol. I thought uh, this card was printed just for this, like this precon, but I realized that this precon is like ninety percent uh, reprints, except for three cards. So this is the same <laughs> as like the Zendikar ones, only three cards are brand new and the rest are all reprints. So the next card we have here is Fact or Fiction. We've talked about Fact or Fiction before in the uh, the, the Calamax to the Max deck, was it Taking Calamax to the Max deck list? Yeah. So just real quick, Fact or Fiction, it's a three and a blue for an instant that says, reveal the top five cards of your library and opponent separates those cards into two piles, put one pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard. Another amazing card. I think this one actually does see some play. It's just that our particular group doesn't play with it much. But um, seeing five cards for four mana at instant speed is a very, very powerful effect. And there's a reason why this card is so notorious, especially in uh, you know older formats. I don't know if this sees as much play anymore just because there's more efficient things. But in Commander, this is a really good politics card. I always tell people to pick me for their factor fiction piles because... Five uh, I always split five zero. Five and zero. I love it. <laughs> Every <laughs> single time, I'm like, "Hey, Paul, five and zero? And he just goes, "Yep." <laughs> so we're gonna talk about Fathom Mage next here. Fathom Mage is a two and Simic for a one-one human wizard that has evolve and says, "Whenever a plus one plus one counter is put on Fathom Mage, you may draw a card." So for anyone who doesn't know what evolve is, real quick, it is whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if that creature has greater power or toughness than this creature, put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. Fathom Mage sees a lot of play and like attracts the decks and anything that uh, involves plus one plus one counters. And this deck in particular, there's no like abusing her. You just get her up the fairway. Uh, let's just say that there's nothing in the deck that's quite as small as she is. So she will be growing uh, pretty often, pretty consistently. Yeah, and the next card we're going to talk about here real quick uh, is one that's been on, on my mind for a while because I had a hot topic discussion in our Discord about this card. And it's Harmonize. It's the four mana draw three sorcery speed spell. Two and two green. Yeah, I just said four mana because I mean it's it's a four CMC, but yes, it is two two and two green sorcery speed draw three cards. I mean we could talk about this one for ages. I think it's good in the deck. I like it. I I do like this card, but I as a Magic player, especially as a Commander player, I want to be able to like get more value out of my cards than just a quick four mana draw three. Well, again, I think this boils down to the instant increased returns versus the gradual slower returns because. Four mana to draw three is obviously some decent value, right? And you get to instantly see those three cards as opposed to getting them over time. We actually might have a conversation coming about this, so I don't want to divulge too much yeah. into that. Um, but just keep that in mind for possibly something in the future. Yeah. So we'll move on from Harmonize. We're going to go to the next one, and he is Ior Ruin Expedition. It's one in a blue enchantment that has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a quest counter on Ior Ruin Expedition. Remove three quest counters from Ior Ruin Expedition and sacrifice it to draw two cards. This this card is actually part of an enchantment cycle from the original Zendikar. The blue one draws cards, the red one deals damage, I think. Uh, the green one gets lands, and the green one we'll actually talk about later. But uh, yeah, uh, you're going to be playing a lot of lands. Getting you, Basically, you play three lands and you get to draw two cards. Obviously, you would already play this in a land-based deck, perhaps, unless you have some more efficient things, but... Even late game, AC can get this going up in like one or two turns. So another uh, pretty good card here. You can almost get this the same turn. You can almost pay two mana and then drop three lands and then go draw two more cards. I mean, I feel like it's possible in this deck if you were to really kind of abuse the landfall triggers a little bit more than what we are in, in, in our version of the deck. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think even in, even in the like the base build of the deck, the average turns to, to crack this would be two. I don't yeah. think you'd take three turns most of the time. Oh, not, not at all. So the next card that we're going to talk about here is Muldrifter. Muldrifter is a four and a blue, two, two elemental with flying that says when it enters the battlefield, draw two cards. It also has evoke. So if you pay its evoke cost, it is two and a blue. You may cast a spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacrificed when it enters the battlefield. Just another efficient card. Good for recursive things like Eternal Witness and, you know, anything that gets creatures back in the graveyard and whatnot. 
Also really good in uh, Blinky decks, which we don't have any way to abuse it in this deck, admittedly. But just a nice versatile card. You can play it for 5 mana and get a 2-2 flying blocker, and you draw 2 cards, or you can just play it as a divination. Uh, either way, very versatile, and versatility is very important in Commander. Most definitely. It's a very situational format. The next card we're going to talk about here is Seer's Sundial. Seer's Sundial is a 4-mana artifact that has landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay 2 generic mana if you do draw a card. I know, James, you wanted to take this card out, right? Yeah, I just feel like it's a little underwhelming. <laughs> I don't know, it's in the Uban deck. I pulled it out. It was like one of almost the first cards I pulled out because I added something else into the deck instead. Like, I like it, but I feel like there's other more efficient ways to draw cards. Right, and you're definitely not wrong. However, because AC lets you play an additional mana each of your turns, this is essentially a zero mana, sorry, two mana draw three, right? Because you play a land, you get to draw a card from AC, you play another land... You use those two lands to pay for, let's see, your sundial, and you've drawn three cards for a total investment of two mana. Yeah. So when you think about it that way, it seems pretty good. I, I definitely agree that there is more efficient stuff out there, but recursive card draw is not something that is easy to come across, and especially when you're getting rewarded for doing something you would already do anyway, it's a very little opportunity cost. So for that reason, I I, uh, I kept this in, but I, I could see the argument for taking it out. Yeah, and I mean it really works with the next card. The uh, next card on the list here, and that's Urban Evolution. So Urban Evolution is a three green and a blue for a sorcery that says draw three cards. You may play an additional land this turn. I did not place this in ramp, and the reason is because it's, it's five mana. So I feel like at that point it's less ramp and more you're getting to draw three cards. Although you know, feel free to correct me on that if you think otherwise. That was just the way I thought about it. But uh, this is, I'm not actually that big of a fan of this card, but there, there were far worse cards in this deck. So I, uh, I kept it in. It's decent, five mana draw three, play additional land. So most of the time you can get this to be a, quote, four mana draw three, end quote. So it's yeah. kind of like another harmonize. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to say about that one. Yeah, pretty much. So the next one is Yavimaya Elder. Yavimaya Elder is a 1 green green for a 2-1 human druid that says when Yavimaya Elder enters the... Sorry, not when it enters, when it dies, you may search your library for up to two basic land cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Has an activated ability of two generic mana and sacrifice Yavimaya Elder to draw a card. I was actually talking with James before the episode and he was wondering why I placed this in card draw. And um, it's because, yes, it cantrips when you sacrifice it with its ability. But also, when it dies, either by its ability or otherwise, you get to get two basics to your hand, and two lands in hand means two drawn cards with your commander. So, overall, I thought the this should go in the card draw. Although, I won't lie, I was a little hesitant on placing it anywhere, just because it doesn't really fit the, I don't know, doesn't really fit the bill of anything in particular. This is a car, another card that's probably also next up on the chopping block, if I were to make any more cuts to this deck. But, it's decent for now if you wanted to change other things. And that's our card draw package. Uh, kind of the commander kind of helps that. So, I mean, we only talked about nine cards there, but if you take into consideration the commander, there's 10 ways to draw cards in the deck, and that's not bad. I mean, going off the way that the uh, command zone wanted, wants us to uh, to build our decks, we want 10 ramp, 10 draw, and like eight removal. And I mean, spoiler alert, we've got 10 ways to ramp. So I'm going to go through these essentially pretty quickly by just clumping them together because we have talked about these cards numerous times over the over the uh, the course of the podcast. So we've got uh, Coiling Oracle, Cultivate, Explore, Spiral Growth, Kalani Heart Expedition. That is the green one of that cycle that Paul was talking about before with the uh, the the Io, uh, Io Ruins um, Expedition. Mm-hmm. So it essentially does the same thing. When the land enters the battlefield, put a quest counter on it, get three quest counters, remove it, sacrifice it, go get two lands, put them on the battlefield. It's really good. It's really fun. I really enjoy that card. Um, I know a lot of people, in, like I've been talking to, don't really enjoy that card as much. Uh, we also have Kadama's Reach. That's the other version of Cultivate. We have Rampant Growth. Uh, Search for Tomorrow, I think, is a card we haven't talked about in the podcast yet, so we'll run through that one really quickly here. It is two and a green for a sorcery that says, search your library for a basic land card and put it into play, then shuffle your library. But it has Suspend, and it has a Suspend cost of one mana, so one green for Suspend two, that says, rather than play this card from your hand, you may pay one green and remove it from the game with two time counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove a time counter. When you remove the, the last 
play it without playing paying its mana cost. Uh, it's also important, this is a little different from most of the random spells that we talked about, in that the land you get from Search Tomorrow comes into play untapped. So ideally, you want to play this on turn one, or not play it, but you want to suspend it on turn one, and then on turn three, suddenly you have four mana, five if you play a land. Oh no, I'm sorry, you'll have three mana, four if you play a land. Again, later in the game, this is just another, this is technically a two mana ramp spell, because again, it refunds you the one that you, one of the ones that you, you spent for it. Yeah. It, uh, the fact that it has to spend also lets you set up landfall plays. Like you can suspend it, and then you can plan to play your commander the turn that it would come down, or the turn before, rather. You can set up and play like a County Heart Expedition or your Rune Expedition or see your Sundial, whatever the case may be. Uh, so it is both a landfall setup as well as ramp. So it's a, a cool little niche card and honestly not one that I was expecting to get reprinted in a recon. So pretty cool. Yeah, I know it sees a lot more like a lot more play in the higher tiers, uh, especially like going at like CDH. Because I mean, it's only one mana. You suspend it off to the side. It kind of sits there. It, it sees a lot more play in high. I don't really. I haven't really seen it all that much in the mid range. But I mean, I would play it in in any landfall deck or any deck that requires you know lots of lands. I would also question if we were to take that out and maybe just put in Harrow. Because I mean, they also come in untapped and with another card in this deck as well. You can play things from your graveyard. So I mean. It's kind of a personal preference on, on this one. So then after that, we only have two more ramp cards to go through real quick. It is Simic, Signet, and Soul Ring. So the Signet is just the two mana artifact, tap one, oh sorry, one mana, tap, and add Simic to your mana pool. And then Soul Ring is Soul Ring. Yeah, everyone knows Soul Ring. I mean, if, you, if you're playing Commander and don't, don't know Soul Ring, what, do you, are you even playing Commander? Or are you playing like... And you're playing in vintage? a really good meta. I, don't, I would like to play a game where we had no Soul Rings in the deck. I wonder if that would make it more powerful or less powerful i think it would make it less one-sided so overall it would probably be more powerful because everybody gets to do more things i think i could be wrong on that could be very wrong i mean i haven't played against a deck that hasn't uh, that hasn't got a soul ring and i've never played a deck that hasn't had a soul ring in it either so i mean i think it's just that that turn one soul ring play is just always going to be great mm -hmm. so we're going to go into our removal package here uh the first card we have here is a a a card that we talked about on our uh, reprints and preview episode, and that is Acidic Slime. So uh, again, Acidic Slime real quick is three green green for a 2-2 two, two ooze with Death Touch, when an ETBs destroy target artifact, land, or enchantment. There's not much more I can say about this that I didn't say in our last episode. Yep. Um, just, you know, it's nice to see so much removal in a pre-con deck and actually like this is a lot of removal for a pre-con deck you'll you'll see as we go through and it's yeah. good removal well it's, it's also got reclamation removal. sage as well which i just want to throw out there yes and it, it does have both which unfortunately was spoiled right after the last uh, episode uh when i was saying that i was glad to see acidic slime and i don't think they'd print both in the same set well haha they did <laughs> jokes on us literally for getting an episode right out too early the episode i mean that's what we get for kind of like going through and Trying to trying to get a, a an episode out before we'd seen the whole set. Trying to make I guess predictions still, and thinking they wouldn't do both in the same set. Well, they did. Ha ha ha. Jokes on us. I guess the eggs are now. It's a face. good joke though. It's yeah, yeah. Joke. It's a great joke. joke. <laughs> I love this card. We can't have too many copies of this card out there. So the next one we're going to talk about here is Beast Within. Beast Within is a two and a green instant that says destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a three three green beast creature token. Just premier green removal. One yeah, of the best great. pieces of green removal ever printed, honestly. If not the best, actually. Yeah, I think it's really up there in, in, in as like the best green way to remove cards. I mean, they did this and then they, they color shifted this card into white. So white had a really good way of removing cards as well. And not just removing like cards, but removing permanents. So it's not specifically saying, you know, remove whatever, you know, like enchantment, artifact, planeswalker whatever it's just destroy target permanent so i mean it's really good it's really versatile the fact that they shifted it into white means that white's getting that little bit of a buff that we can't that it kind of needs i mean we're still seeing we're seeing a lot of good white cards coming out of this new commander legend set and it's fantastic white's definitely getting up there well to be fair beast within was never really a green card to begin with i don't think it's not supposed card. to kill creatures everything else yes but the creatures well i mean it's so. got it's got the fight mechanic now it's removing it's i feel like green removes creatures in the way that green should and that's like by having the bigger creatures on the board and smashing over the smaller creatures well yeah fighting is different but straight up destroy something yeah it's not really a green thing it should have been white to begin with which is why i think they they pushed it into white in the uh, modern horizons generous gift is such a great card so the next one we're going to talk about here really quickly is into the royal so Into the Royal uh, was reprinted in Zendikar Rising. It is the one and a blue with a kicker of one and a blue. 
Uh, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. If this spell was kicked, draw a card. I'm actually a huge fan of this card. It's not straight-up removal, so I know some people are probably questioning why it would even be in this category. In green-blue, you don't have many options, and a lot of times people like to just play their, their big fatty and sit behind it. Or, you know, you can even use this to bounce somebody's commander that they just spent their whole turn casting, and you essentially time warp them. I do consider this removal, and... Later in the game, it can even cantrip. Worth noting that it is also non-land permanent, so this can hit enchantments and artifacts, which blue usually has trouble with. So I don't. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a pretty good card, honestly. Unfortunately, there are more efficient things, especially when you're in more than one color, to deal with permanence. I think it's still a good include in a precon. It's a very. It's a very good precon card. That's how I'll classify it. Yeah, just like this next card, I've only ever really seen this in precons, and that is Meteor Golem. Meteor Golem is a 7-mana 3-3 that says, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-land permanent and opponent controls. I am a huge fan of colorless uh, removal. Uh, it's one of the reasons why uh, Scour from Existence is one of my favorite cards of all time. Which, if you don't know what that card is, it's a 7-mana instant exile target permanent. I love that card. I'd never play it because it's so expensive and I can never find a slot for it, but I love it. And Meteor <laughs> Golem I love for the same reason. What about the next card, Paul? The next card is Scourge of Fleets. It is a 5 blue blue 6-6 six, six creature Kraken that says when Scourge of Fleets enters the battlefield, return each creature your opponent controls with the toughness X or less to the owner's hand where X is the number of islands you control. Trust me when I say that this card was a Theros block draft powerhouse. I have a lot of experience with Theros block drafting, and let me tell you, Scourge of Fleets is no freaking joke. This card has blown me out, and I have blown people out with it. I would believe you on that. And I mean, I have a foil copy of this card and I can't wait to like get this deck and just slot the foil in to be like, haha, I have an original printing foil Scourge of Fleets. The most important thing about it is that it is only things that your opponents control. And it's each opponent, you know? It's, yeah. it's not just a single, you don't target someone. And it's not even targeted. So it's essentially, more or less, a one-sided, quote, board wipe, end quote. Which is why I have it here in the removal slot. Because... Since it doesn't affect your stuff, you get to just, you know, build up your board. You get a 6-6 six, six and they bounce. At this point in the game when you're playing this, it'd probably be everything that they have, I would guess. This deck in particular runs 15 islands. Let's say on average you'll have about 7 or 8 of those out by turn 7. No, I'm sorry, not by turn 7, by turn 10 or so, which is probably when you'll be playing this. Really yeah, good card. Yeah, I think it's a really uh, good card. It doesn't see yeah. a lot of play for some reason. I'm not really sure why. I guess because monocolored decks are becoming a little less popular. But in two colors, you still have some pretty consistent access to basic land type. Yeah, and the next card we'll talk about here is Terostodon. So I think we've talked about Terostodon before on the podcast, but just quickly, we will go through it. And it is six green green for a nine nine elephant. When Terostodon enters the battlefield, you may destroy up to three target creatures non... Uh, sorry. You may destroy up to three target non-creature permanents. For each permanent put into the graveyard this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green elephant creature token. This is one of the OGs of Commander. This card used to be all over the place before there was such efficient like removal and stuff. Terasty Nasty. I have very fond memories of this card. I, I remember... I still remember when I started playing when this card was really good and really popular. Um, not as popular anymore, for good reason though, you know, power creep and all that. You know, this can even, like, you can blow up three of your own lands, and so all of a sudden you've just gotten 18 power for eight mana. Unfortunately, it's a giant elephant that does not trample for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I really feel like it, it, uh, needed, it needed trample to make this card just be a little bit better. Yeah, and honestly, we have, like, green has a five mana 10-10 now that doesn't have trample, right? I feel like this card for eight mana at least could have had trample. Yeah. Or something. Reach. Like, a keyword. I mean, it's a damn elephant for for Pete's sake. Like, just let it be able to crash through. I mean, like, even look at the art. He's, like, crashing through the forest. So, I mean, for him to not have trample just doesn't make any sense. I do want everybody to pay special attention to the fact that it is a 9-9, though. That'll be important later. Yeah. Just keep that in the back of your mind as we move on to the next card, which is Whelming Wave. I feel like this card's probably going to give away the strategy of this deck a little bit, if you haven't already caught on uh, caught on yet. But Whelming Wave is a 2 blue blue for a sorcery that says return all creatures to their owner's hands except for Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. I don't think this reveals too much. <laughs> it almost um, puts it on the nose, mate. Yeah, the uh, the original decklist has a little bit of a sub-theme of 
krakens, leviathans, octopi, and uh, serpents. I'm, I kind of noticed that um, you see that octopi there because it bothers me to say <laughs> octopuses. Like I, actually I'm just, I'm just that. reading the card, Paul. Like I'm just reading the way that the, the wizards wrote the card. No, I know, I, I know, and that's fine. But I am not going to say octopuses. It just, it doesn't even roll off the tongue. <laughs> octopi. So yeah, there's a, there's slight, there's a, a sub theme of that in the. I wouldn't even say it's a sub theme. I guess it just is the theme of the deck. Is rampant that. There you go. There's the the theme of the original deck. Let's play. Yeah. So we kind of pushed into that theme a little bit more with our with our new additions uh, and our upgrade suggestions for the deck. We're gonna go through our very small protection package. I was really really surprised to see at least one of these cards reprinted in in the protection package here, and that's Arcane Denial. So I know we all know Arcane Denial is getting reprinted in Commander Legends, but I wasn't expecting to see this counterspell. And also, I mean, just while I'm here, the spell counterspell is also in this uh, in, in this precon. So you've got two counterspells in Simic. So you've got Arcane Denial. It's the one in a blue instant that says counter target spell. Its controller may draw up to two cards at the beginning of the next uh, turn's upkeep. You draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. And then counterspell is the blue, blue counter target spell. Yeah, it's actually really cool to see these both as reprints, not only in the set, but in a single precon. Like... Two two mana counter spells don't really happen anymore, and to see both of them in a single precon is pretty cool, especially when precons we consider more powerful than this did not have such efficient. Yeah, I think I think the reason why they were able to get away with this is because, like Gavin said, they have so many commons in the set, so you're actually pretty unlikely to see these in a lot of decks when you actually yeah. draft it. Then we've got Swiftfoot Boots, which is the two mana artifact equipment that says equipped creature has hexproof and haste and has equipped cost of one. We also have Simic Charm, which is uh, green and a blue for an instant that says choose one. Target creature gets plus three plus three until end of turn, or permanence you control gain hexproof until end of turn, or return target creature to its owner's hand. Uh, with these modal spells, I kind of have to go off what you'd use it most often for, and I think this one you would most often use to give your stuff hexproof. So I counted this as protection, even though. It is technically a bounce spell as well. Yeah, uh, it gives all permanents you control hexproof. So this is essentially half of a uh, heroic intervention, yeah. more or less, in Simic. So pretty decent card. I actually really like that. I, I really like the charms. I mean, we don't really see them all that much. I have Naya Charm still in Obun. Um, I still run Azorius Charm in some certain decks. I just, I really like them as a, as like as like a, a cycle of cards. I just, I feel like they're kind of like sliding off in uh popularity with uh, the majority of the wild players out there i think it's more that like the modes that you would play them for there's better versions of those modes being printed and so the other two modes just kind of become useless you know like like i said heroic intervention is mono green and the effect that you would use Symmetron for most is the, yeah. the hexproof on your permanence heroic intervention is only in one color and does that plus indestructible so i think it's i think it's just another issue of power creep Right? Like, if they were to reprint these charms, and like Simic Charm 2.0, and if one of those modes was the same thing as Heroic Intervention, like, you'd bet that that card would be played probably with Heroic Intervention, but at the very least over Heroic Intervention. You know yeah, I, mean? I get I get what you're kind of trying to say there. Moving on from our protection package, we're just going to go through our recursion package real quick, because, I mean, it's only two cards. These are some pretty powerhouse, like, reprints. I was not expecting either of these cards reprinted in this deck. The first one is Eternal Witness. So, I mean, we're all Commander players, let's be honest. We all know what Ewit does, but just... If you haven't heard of Ewit before, it is one green-green for a 2-1 Human Shaman that says when Eternal Witness enters the battlefield, you may return target, target card from your graveyard to your hand. Yep, that's a card that if they reprinted it in every set they ever made from here on out, I don't think there would be enough copies of it floating. No, I mean, even if... They they did that, it would still be like a 5 to $6 card. Yeah, or well, probably a few bucks. No, no, you're probably yeah. right, honestly. I mean, I feel like I'm right. I, I want to be right. I don't want to be right on this instance, but <laughs> I mean, if I had to be right on something, at least make it the Eternal Witness price, I guess. <laughs> I'd want to see this card around the, the two, like the $1.50 to $2.50 mark kind of thing. Like, that's where I'd, I'd want to see this card because it's, it's just a massive powerhouse in certain decks. And almost every green deck that needs a little bit of recursion that wants creatures around wants this. And with the ability to bounce this back to your hand a couple of times and pull more things out of the graveyard, it's just straight value. Yeah, I actually mentioned to James, I think it was when we were going over Colin, that the Eternal Witness and Time Wipe is a little yeah. bit of a combo. Because you're able to bounce Eternal Witness back to your hand uh, with Time Wipe, then play it again re-grab the time wipe out play it again keep doing it it's not an infinite combo or anything but it is a very powerful interaction that i have actually used in cullen before um the next one i wasn't expecting to see in the deck was ramen up excavator 
So Ramanov Excavator is a two and a green for a two three Naga Cleric that says you may play land cards from your graveyard. Yeah, I was shocked at this one too. I didn't really think they'd have any reason to print this card in this set, but uh, they did. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. I guess it kind of makes sense because they recently reprinted Crucible Worlds, right? I think it was an M20 they did that. Uh, I believe it was M19 for Crucible of Worlds. Yeah, M19. So I guess it makes sense that they would print its uh, its buddy-buddy partner soon, but I didn't quite expect it in a pre-con. In the set, sure, but in, in a pre-con, that's a, that's a pretty powerful effect to print in a pre-con, especially with a commander that cares yeah. about lands. And the deck even has quote fetch lands i quote in it well i mean yeah that was the thing is i was going through this deck and i was like man there are just so many high value reprints i'm going to talk about a couple of them in the next packet but i mean if one of these cards wasn't actually included in the deck like if, if you didn't have crucible of worlds or roman excavator it was the, like one of the first cards i was thinking about adding to this deck was um some way of playing land cards from the graveyard so i mean for them to put it in a precon just seems super strong so with all of that out of the way we're going to go to a message from our sponsors right now welcome back from our ad break i forgot to say we were changing phases and you go into combat um i hope you didn't get mana burnt from all the uh, mana you had stored up in your mana pool um, we're going to go through and do our next two packets, uh, which is land value and just generic utility creatures that kind of you know, round out the rest of the deck. So if you want to go through those ones real quick, Paul, be my guest. Yeah, um, I am going to do these pretty quick. Uh, some of these are creatures you're probably familiar with, but regardless, uh, there's a lot to take in here. I will explain what they do, and if they have any synergies, I'll talk about those as well. For land value here, which is one of the most important parts of the deck, we have Avenger of Zendikar. Not going to talk much about that one because it was just reprinted in Double Masters, and this card is all over the place in Commander. Uh, we have Maloku the Clouded Mirror, a popular cube card. It's five mana, one blue and four for a two-four wizard with flying. Uh, you can pay one and bounce a land you control back to your hand, and you get a 1-1 with flying on this battlefield. Uh, we have Rampaging Baylos, again, same thing as Avenger of Zendikar, all over the place in Commander. Uh, Retreat to Kazandu is a green enchantment for two and a green. It has landfall. Uh, when you land enters a battlefield under your control, you either put a plus one plus one counter on a creature, or you gain two life. Uh, two really powerful effects. You can get your commander pretty strong pretty quick, or if you're low on life, you can start to gain some life. Uh, we have Splitting Image, less popular land-based card. It has Retrace. Retrace is an older mechanic from the Shadow, or sorry, the Lorwyn block, where you can pitch a land from your hand and pay its mana cost, and you get to cast it from your graveyard. But you just make a, co a, a, a token of something. It doesn't even have to be a creature you control. It can be anything. With uh, all the big beefy dudes that we got in this deck, you can make some pretty beefy tokens as well. Uh, Spore Mound. We've actually talked a little bit about this one before, but it's basically got Landfall, make a 1-1 Sapling. It's 3 and 2 green for a 3-3. Three, three. And we have a new card, one of the newer cards. Uh, Trench Behemoth is 5 and 2 blue for a 7-7 seven, seven Kraken. You can bounce a land back to your hand, and you can untap it and give it Hexproof until end of turn. Very evasive threat. Uh, it's also, as I mentioned, a 7-7-7-7. Seven, seven, seven. So this is a very good card. I really like this card. I really like the design. And it also basically has landfall. Uh, target creature and opponent controls attacks during its controller's next combat phase, phase if able. So it can also function a little bit as removal. Again, because it is a 7-7, seven, seven, it blocks a lot of things very profitably. If somebody is hiding behind their own, like Ramunap Excavator, or you know they have a Maloku that they're trying to get value off of, or an Avenger Zendikar, you just play a land, then you make it attack, and then you block your 7-7, seven, seven, and bada-bing, bada-boom. Bada-bing, bada-boom, it's gone. <laughs> no more <laughs> Ramunap Excavator. See you later, utility creature. You're off the board. Next, as I mentioned a couple times already, we do have some big beefy dudes in here. We're starting here with Elder Deep Fiend, uh, which is actually one of the cards I was thinking of cutting, but it's decent enough that I decided not to. It's 8 mana 5-6 with Flash, very powerful keyboard on a creature. Uh, and it's got Emerge for 5 and 2 blue, which is a mechanic from the uh, Shadows over Innistrad set, where you can sack a creature while you're casting it, and you pay the difference between that creature's cost and the emerge cost. So in this case, if you sacked a creature that costs five or more, you would just pay two blue for this five, six. Uh, and when you cast it, you get to tap up to four target permanents. Then we have Murphine Liege, another surprising reprint. Uh, the Liege is from the old Shadowmore, Morning Tide. I think this one's Morning Tide, honestly. I think it is as well. They buff all creatures that are 
all your creatures that are the same colors as it. So this one buffs green and blue creatures. And you get to untap all your green and blue creatures during each other player's untap step. So it's like a mini seed wonders kind of. Next we have Nezahal, Primal Tide. Very popular card in Commander, actually. I didn't realize it had gotten this expensive. It's not that expensive, about 20 bucks. But uh, can't be countered. 7 mana, 7-7, seven, seven, no maximum hand size. An elder Dinosaur. Whenever opponent casts a non-creature spell, you draw a card. And you can blink it by discarding three cards. But since you're going to be drawing so many cards anyway, you don't really care about that. You just get to keep a 7-7 seven, seven around. Uh, we got Sharktoe Crab. It's a fish octopus crab. This was from the Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, uh, yeah, it came out of Ravnica four Allegiance. Four mana for a 4-4. Four, four. Ah, okay. I always get the, the symbols confused because one's just upside down. It's a 4 mana, 4-4. Four, four. Two in green and blue, and you can adapt one. But whenever this thing gets a plus one, plus one counter, you get to tap something, a creature in opponent controls, and it doesn't tap direct effects on tap step. Unfortunately, there's not many ways to abuse plus one, plus one counters in here, so it'll probably just get the one from itself. Uh, then we have Shipbreaker Kraken, another Theros block draft powerhouse. This was actually in a pre-con from the Theros block back in the day. It's a six mana, six, six. Uh, six and two blue monstrosity four, which means if it's not monstr- if it's not monstrous already, it gets plus one, four plus one plus one counters and becomes monstrous. And things can't become monstrous more than once as long as they are on the battlefield. And when it becomes monstrous, you get to tap four creatures, and they don't untap until this thing leaves the battlefield. So, this is an, again kind of a one-sided-ish board wipe. Lots of issues there. Uh, we have Simic Sky Swallower, which is a seven mana, five green blue, six six. Leviathan as Flying Trample and Shroud. This card is nigh unbeatable in draft formats. There was actually a draft format. It was in recently, but I can't remember what it was. It wasn't Double Masters. Might have been Iconic Masters. Could it possibly be uh, um, Commander yeah. Legends? <laughs> is it? I'm a- oh, wait. Maybe. <laughs> um, next, we've got Slyn Voda, the Rising Deep. Six blue-blue for an 8-8. But you can have Kicker, one in a blue. Kicker is an additional cost you pay as you cast it. And if it's kicked, when it ETBs, then you bounce everything except Krakens, Leviathans, Octopi, Serpents, and Merfolk for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why that one is there. For the small amount of Merfolk uh, synergies that we don't have in the deck. Uh, we have Stormtide Leviathan. as uh, one of the most powerful blue board stall cards. It has Island Walk. It's an 8-8 for 5 blue blue blue. Uh, all lands are islands in addition to their other types. And creatures that flying or Island Walk can't attack, which... I believe we have something that gives Island Walk in here. Oh, no, sorry. That's for later. Remind me of that okay. later, James. <clears throat> remind, remind me of the Island Walk thing. Uh, next, we have Tromacratus, one of my favorite cards from Theros Block. It uh, has Hexproof unless it's attacking or blocking, so anytime that it's not in combat, it has Hexproof. And it can't be blocked unless every single creature a defending player controls blocks it. Uh, which, by the way, means that if even one creature is tapped on your opponent's battlefield, they cannot block this thing at all. This actually used to come up a lot in draft, where they would try to block with all the creatures that weren't tapped, but it doesn't say all creatures defending players block if able. It says all creatures have to block it, otherwise it can't be blocked. So if they can't block with even one thing because it's tapped or something, then no go. They just take eight. Verdant Sun's Avatar, five mana, uh, sorry, five green green, seven mana total for a five five. Uh, whenever it or another thing enters the battlefield under your control, you gain life equal to its toughness, which in this deck, you can be gaining a lot. Oh, yeah. Probably a minimum of about five. That takes us through the land value and creature buckets. Uh, I think we're gonna reconvert yeah. here. That was Dang that was fun. I just I got to sit here and just listen to you talk for a while. It's not something that we really get to <laughs> to do here. I, I feel like I'm usually doing all the talking, or most of the talking. I kind of like MC us through the episodes. So we're gonna talk about the ten cards that we decided to cut from this deck. We didn't think they were quite up to par with the rest of the way that the deck wanted to work. You're gonna notice a lot of these cards are lands, and you'll be like, oh no, like like <laughs> don't take too many lands out because it's a lands matter deck. But this deck had forty four lands in it in the pre call. Yeah, that's a lot of lands. So that's it's a lot of lands. So we kind of pulled it down a little bit to put in some spots stuff that you'll see i'm just going to go through the lands real quick that we cut out of the deck we cut out uh coral atoll which is the comes into play tapped when coral atoll comes into play return an untapped island you control to its owner's hand or bury coral atoll it taps to add one blue and one colorless mana to your mana pool we remove jungle basin which is basically the green version does exactly the same thing we also got rid of simic guild gate you know it's a it comes into play taps taps for green or a blue we got rid of uh, Vivid Creek. It is uh, the Vivid cycle. So there are both. I think we kept the the other Vivid in here. 
Kept the green one. So we got rid of the blue one. Um, it says that it ends the battlefield with, tapped with two charge counters. You can tap to add a blue, or you can tap, remove a charge counter from Vivid Creek, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And then we also got rid of Woodland Stream, which is exactly the same thing as uh, Simic Guildgate. It taps for green or blue, but ends as tapped. Yes, and my reasoning for all these was that uh, Coral Atoll and Jungle Basin, just like, they're way too slow. Like, they are absurdly slow. Same thing, basically, for Simic Guildgate and Woodland Stream. Uh, I just tried to get rid of as many tap lands as possible because one of the most important things you can do in this deck in particular is play AC on curve. So you want to play them around, like, turn 4 to 6, somewhere around there. And tap lands kind of prevent you from doing that. Uh, especially with the fact that this deck has, like, Search for Tomorrow and Kodama's, or, sorry, uh, Rampant Growth and just a lot of early ramp. You may You want to make sure you hit your land drops on time. So those, those, those tap lands can be absolutely killer. Uh, and the only reason why I took out the Vivid Creek instead of the Grove is because... Or the reason why I didn't take out more lands, I should say, is because this pre, these precons are meant for newer players to take them and duke them out. And I think without more efficient resources, that going below 39 lands might be a little bit risky. So I decided to keep it at 39, and for that reason I didn't get rid of the Vivid Grove. Because I think green is more important in this deck than blue. So you'd rather have a consistent green source than a consistent blue source. Yeah, I think so too. I just tried to bring up the stats of the deck on here on Architect, and I just I couldn't bring it up fast enough to see which one was which. But we'll go over a couple of the cards that we decided to cut. Now, these are actual cards. These aren't land cards or anything. So the first one we're going to talk about here is Malimo Maro Sorcerer. It is a four green, 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 star, star, legendary elemental with trample, and Malimo, Mara, Sorceress, Power, and Toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. I feel like this is just a worse version of Multani. Or, I mean, I guess Multani's just a more pushed version than this card. Does Multani have Trample? Uh, so It has Reach, right? Reach and Trample, actually, it might have, I think. I'll have to check that, I can't actually, actually real quick. Um, yeah, while you look that up, I'll, I'll just talk about this. I, I just don't understand why this card was in the deck to begin with. I get that it's... Power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control, which obviously with AC you're going to be playing additional lands, and so on and so forth. But it's 7 mana for an elemental, and it just doesn't really feel like it fits in with the theme of the deck. And especially not after you make some adjustments to it, this card just feels more and more out of place. So I decided that it needed the axe. Yeah, for those who are wondering, uh, Multani already knew and was screaming at us, Multani has both Reach and Trample. Man, I do. <laughs> uh, we, we, we remember cards, we know how to read cards. Do we have any raid cards, Paul? Maybe. I, I I feel like I <laughs> miss a lot of key text on a card and go, yeah, I assume how this works. Like this next instance that we're talking about? Man, I'm, ne I'm never going to stop saying instances <laughs> or whatever it is. Okay, what is the plural of an instant spell? Instant. Okay, so the next card we have is Peel from Reality. It's <laughs> one and a blue for an instant. Return target creature you control yeah. and target creature you don't <laughs> control to their owner's hands. I don't know why this card is ever in the deck. I kind That's of feel like it's just to rebuy some of those <laughs> ETB creatures. Sure, but there's not really that many that you'd want to do that to. There's Moldrifter. You do, you wouldn't want to bounce any of your big dudes back to your hand. I guess Rexage and Acidic Slime and Scourge e of and Meteor Storm. And, and Ewit, I guess. Even though there's a few targets, like a lot of those are super yeah. expensive. I guess it's a cute little combo with Ewit because you can keep getting the Peel from Reality back. You know, it's like a very, the very slow time wipe. But I don't know. I, it just doesn't really feel like it should have ever been in here. Yeah. So the next one we have is Sphinx of Athune. Sphinx of Athune is a five blue, blue, five, six creature Sphinx with flying. This is when Sphinx of, Sphinx of Athune enters the battlefield, reveal the top five cards of your library, and opponent separates those piles into two piles and put one pile into your hand and the other pile into your graveyard. I did not want to cut this card. Because I love anything that lets you cast Factor Fiction for free when you play it. But unfortunately, it just being a Sphinx and being so expensive, it just didn't really make sense to keep it in. But I wouldn't blame anybody else for wanting to keep this one in. It's a really cool card. I really like it, but... Anything that lets me cast Factor Fiction, I, I, will, I will always like I like this card, but I feel like I like our, our additions just a little bit better than this one. Yeah, that's, that's the position. Now, I, I was know. kind of shocked to see that you had actually cut one of the brand new cards from Commander Legends in this in this one, uh, and that is uh, the last one from this deck, which is Stump Squall Hydra. Stump Squall Hydra is an X green, 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 one, one Hydra that says when Stump Squall Hydra enters the battlefield, distribute X plus one plus one counters among it and any number of commanders. Yeah, I, 
I tried really hard not to cut this one specifically because it's new, but it just it's such a steep mana investment for what is ultimately not really worth it in this deck. It would definitely be worth it in like a Traxa or anything that like loves ETBs, like Yarok. This would be great in Yarok. Or anything that just generates a buttload of mana. But even so, like, it's just at, when you pay four mana for this, right? Because it's green, green, green X. When you pay four mana for this, you get to put a single plus one plus one counter either on this or a commander. Like, when you think about it that way, it's four mana for a one one. Um, possibly four mana for a two. It does say end any number of commanders. So would you? Would that mean that you put it on this end something else? No, it's distribute. Okay. Right. So you you separate that many plus one plus one counters amongst a certain. See what I mean, Paul? Reading cards is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just a little underwhelming in here for me, so I ultimately decided to give it the edge. That's fair. That's fair. So we've got one more card here to talk about before we jump into our our new stuff. Wicker Barrow Elder. It is a three and a green for a four four tree folk shaman that says Wicker Barrow Elder enters the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter on it. Has an activated ability of green, remove a minus one minus one counter from Wicker Barrow Elder, and destroy target artifact or enchantment. Uh this deck already has Beast Within, Acidic Slime, Rex Sage, Meteor Golem, and Terastodon. Uh, I just didn't think that with all that removal that you really needed this very off-themed piece to accomplish something in a way that I would say is less efficient. So, I mean, there yep. you go. <laughs> That's all there really is to say about that <laughs> So, one. new additions, Paul. We, we, we kind of went back and forth in the Discord in our little deck tech uh, channel with uh with one of our friends and we kind of come up with this list of 10 cards it took us a while to narrow down exactly what 10 cards we wanted to add we had i think it was a list of like 25 cards something like that yeah. but we brought it down to you know about 29 dollars or so uh including shipping to to get these cards to kind of add it into the deck the first one is arcane signet this just felt like such an auto include i mean again yes it's a soul ring you know, Soul Rings in the deck, you've got to include an Arcane Signet. It kind of helps the deck a little bit. You can do that amazing turn one play of Soul Ring, Signet, it taps for mana. It's awesome. It's a rock. It's two mana rock. I mean, who doesn't love a two mana rock? It's so powerful. You're not wrong. Not wrong. I'm I'm usually wrong when it comes to like saying cards are powerful and broken, but uh, I don't think I am with I this one. I will say though that, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that Arcane Signet is the most boring include yeah. that we have on this list. But we had to because it is getting printed again in Commander Legends, so... I think most people, by that point, will probably have at least a copy of this. Yeah, it's going to become the new Soul Ring. It's that, you know, before you, uh, like I've said it before, before you even, like, look at building a deck, or even you even before you pick the commander, you've already added a Soul Ring, an Arcane Signet, and a Command Tower to your deck. So, I mean, you're really only looking at 96 slots out of your deck. I mean, you put into account the, the lands, and you're looking at, like, you only need, like, 40 cards to build a deck now. Our first actual include that isn't just a, a, a boring rock is... A Rixmithy's Slumbering Isle. So a Rixmithy's Slumbering Isle is a two green and a blue for a 12-12 Kraken. Now it's got to have some sort of downside to it, right? A Rixmithy's Slumbering huh. Isle enters the battlefield tapped with five slumber counters on it. As long as a Rixmithy's has a slumber counter on it, it's a land. Whenever you cast a spell, you may remove a slumber counter from a Rixmithy's and it taps to add green and a blue to your mana pool. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of a ramp spell that later on just happens to be a 12-12. If you really needed it to, even as a creature, it still adds green-blue, but you're probably attacking with your 12-12, so I would hope that you don't need exactly two mana at that point. Uh, but yeah, just a really efficient Kraken. Kraken is important here, because like James said earlier, we did kind of like expand on that theme a little bit. Yeah, I think everything we added was either a Leviathan, a Kraken, or a Serpent. Oh, no, actually, no. Uh, Sorry, one of them one is exception. a Spirit. Two exceptions, then. Oh, two exceptions because the next one's also not a uh, kraken <laughs> yeah. but the next one we took ages to figure out to try and even find this card and that is chasm skulker chasm skulker is a two and a blue for a one one squid horror that says whenever you draw a card put a plus muscle encounter on chasm skulker when chasm skulker dies put x one one blue squid creature tokens with island walk into into the battlefield where x is the number of plus muscle encounters on chasm skulker you're going to be drawing a lot of cards it's no surprise. Chasm Skulker is going to get big, and when it dies, you get to make a bunch of things out of Island Walk. And I had mentioned Island Walk specifically on Stormtide Leviathan before, because Chasm Skulker synergizes with that pretty nicely, because you're a little Island Walk dude. Yeah. But nobody else's can. Yeah, see, exactly. That's what the, uh, I was about to say Island Walk, Paul. Remember, don't forget to talk about that Island Walk thing. 
<laughs> but the next one we have is Inkwell Leviathan. This is a 7 blue blue for a 7-11 Leviathan with Island Walk, Trample, and Shroud. I love this card for inexplicable reasons. It is an artifact creature, so it is privy to, you know, artifact removal and stuff. But it does have Shroud, so it has to be non-targety. But it also has Trample. But also it's a 7-11, which is 18 total power and toughness. And I mentioned that Terrastodon was a 9-9 earlier. So keep both those things in mind for later on. Uh, for right now it's it's essentially a french vanilla creature yeah so the next one we're going to talk about here is a card that i kind of already said earlier in the episode in my play of the week can you guess what the card is it's lurking predators <laughs> so lurking predators is a four green green enchantment that says whenever an opponent casts a spell reveal the top card of your library if it's a creature card put it under the battlefield otherwise you may put that card on the bottom of your library i have never i have a couple copies of this card and i've never actually played it honestly I mean, if you have a couple copies of this um, card i'm happy to trade for one paul <laughs> i have to find them <laughs> i have no idea where any of my stuff is right now it's at its best obviously in decks where either you can manipulate the top of your deck or in decks that you don't really care what's on top because you know if it if it if this thing hits it's always going to be big which uh lo and behold happens to be yep. the case here also what's cool is that it's a put onto the battlefield not a cast so people can't respond to you putting that creature on the battlefield they have to let the trigger resolve. So if it's a creature that you want the ETB, like Verdant Sun's Avatar, or... I mentioned one earlier that was really good. Anyway, uh, if it's a creature where you really want that ETB to go off, then this just makes sure that it happens, I suppose. Yeah, and the next card was my addition. This is a little bit of a bit of a pet card for me. When we went into Sentinel, we're going to do Krakens. I was like, we have to put this card in here because it was... Such a fun card to play with in Theros Beyond Death Limited, and that is Nadir Kraken. Nadir Kraken is a one blue blue for two three Kraken that says whenever you draw a card, you may pay one generic mana. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on Nadir Kraken and create a one one blue tentacle creature token. Yeah, this is essentially the same thing as Chasm Skulker. What's cool about this though is that even though you have to pay one with your commander, like you play a card, you play a land untapped, hopefully. You draw a card, and Deer Kraken triggers, you just use the land you just played to pay one, and you get, you know, a bigger Kraken, and you get another 1-1. One, one. So many amazing synergies. Uh, so, a little bit of a little bit of a soft interaction there, but a cool one nonetheless. Hey, Paul, you yeah. took forever finding this next card. Did you want to talk about this one? Yeah, as you all know, we actually mentioned a Moonfolk earlier, Maloku. And Moonfolk are known for their shenanigans with bouncing lands, and you do something based on whatever the creature is, right? So you bounce a land, and in Maloku's case, you get a 1-1 with flying, and there are other ones that do other things. Uh, so I was looking for all the Moonfolk in existence, right? Because I was trying to find this one card that I knew existed that said you get to put two lands from your battle, from your hand into the battlefield. And so I went to Scryfall, I looked up Moonfolk, couldn't find it. I looked up everything I could about Moonfolk, and I just could not find this card. Uh, sure enough, it's not a Moonfolk. It has Moonfolk Offering, which means you can sacrifice a Moonfolk and pay the difference in mana costs, and you can play it as though it had Flash. So it's kind of like a different version of uh, Emerge that the LOD theme have, except for a specific creature type. So I was looking for Moonfolk, but it is a spirit that just likes Moonfolk. little unfortunate. I, I spent about 10, maybe 15 minutes. I feel like it was a little longer than that. It felt like it was longer than that. <laughs> I just don't want to admit it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I pretty much described the card to you, but it's a 5 blue blue 5-4 uh, flyer. It's got Moonfolk offering, but uh, the only Moonfolk you have is Maloku, and you probably don't want to sacrifice that one. But it lets you pay a single generic mana to put two lands from your hand into the battlefield tapped. If I were to upgrade this deck to make it a little more on the competitive side, uh, towards the high higher of the mid-range, uh, this card with two bounce lands and an Amulet of Vigor is infinite mana. So if you are looking to upgrade this a little more, that's something you could consider. But as is, getting to put two lands into play for a single mana investment with your commander means that you also get to draw two cards for one mana. So pretty cool. And you also get to ramp. Sounds like Simic doing Simic things, with, honestly. Yeah, and with Maloku, like you get to bounce the lands to your hand, you get one ones for them, and then Patron the Moonless, you put them back into play, which is why this card exists in the first place, just for that same reason. And then we only have three cards here to talk about. I'm going to talk about two more of them, and I'm going to let Paul talk about the last one, because there's another one of his little pet cards that he just he had to have in the deck. But I'm going to talk about the first one here real <laughs> quick, and that is Serpent of Yawning Depths. 
So Serpent of Yawning Depths is a four blue blue six six serpent that says Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents you control can't be blocked except by Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. So essentially in this deck, if you aren't facing another version of this deck, it pretty much just says Leviathans, Krakens, Octopuses, and Serpents you control have unblockable. Yeah, also not to mention like, it would probably have to be exactly the precon that would be able to block your stuff because I don't think anybody else would go all in on that theme, the quite, quite the same way we have here. So most of the time you're just not going to get blocked. And that's a lot of damage. It is a lot of damage. Krakens, Leviathans, <laughs> Octopuses, and Serpents are known for being big old fatty beaters. And we have a lot of them. Especially this next one that we've got. And this next one is fantastic. The next one is Storm Surge Kraken. It is three blue blue for a 5-5 five five Kraken. This is Hexproof. It also has Lieutenant. So Lieutenant says, as long as you control your commander, Storm Surge Kraken gets plus two plus two and has whenever Storm Surge Kraken becomes blocked, you may draw two cards. I, back in the day... In the pre-con that this was in, which was the... Uh, 2014. The, mo- the monocon. Yep. Yeah. I got booty blasted by this thing. Do you want to explain what booty blasted is? Uh, uh, I got absolutely destroyed by this card. Um, like, it single-handedly killed me. Because I had to keep chump blocking it, because it was 7 damage each turn, if I didn't. And each time you chump block it, you just let them draw 2 cards. And you just drown either in the damage or the card advantage. I'm surprised that this card doesn't actually see more play, because it is really quite something. I mean, I didn't even know this really this card existed until I started looking at Krakens, but I think I'm going to add it into some of my blue decks. It seems like, I mean, it's a it's a 5-mana 7-7 seven, seven if you have your commander out, and it draws you two cards, or they're going to be taking damage. And it's got hex proof. Like, if power creep wasn't a thing, this card would probably be commanding a bit more of a higher price than what it is. I think it's just, I think it's more so that the most popular card in that cycle is the green one, Thunderfoot yeah. Baylock. Is the one I believe? Yeah. Oh no, this is the lieutenant cycle. Is that? Oh yeah, that is part of the same cycle. Uh, the green one is the most popular one, which gives your stuff plus two, plus two, and trample. And I think like the rest of them just kind of get swept under the rug because of that. Yeah, but like even the red. But one's we not see that, that with uh, with a with a lot of like cycles that that like the community kind of like picks one out of the five and goes that's the one we're gonna play with the most, and the other ones are kind of just get swept under the rug and then gonna kind of get pulled out in certain niche situations. And I feel like this is one of those niche situations that we kind of pulled this one out in. But yeah, even right. like you said, even the red one, Tyrant's, Tyrant's Familiar, Familiar, is fantastic. I mean, it gives it plus two, plus two, and fire breathing. No, when it attacks, you get to deal that's seven it. damage to. That's it. It gives it like yeah. the um. Oh, what is the dragon that does the same thing? Draco Dracuseth. Dracuseth. Yes, that that's the one. That's what I'm thinking of. Dracuseth. All right, Paul, bring us home. Let's talk about the last card in our new additions. All right. Hold on to your hats, everyone. This card this card is one that I, I own a single copy of, and I've tried to make it work in so many decks and always failed just because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get things to line up correctly. But luckily, these creature types all have a pretty set power and toughness level. Um, you know, with like Octopi are usually like eight because... They have eight legs or whatever. Krakens and Leviathans and stuff. They're just all really big and they usually have a uniform power and toughness. And that leans really well into the card Wild Pair, which is a four green green enchantment. Whenever a creature ETVs, if you cast it from your hand specifically, uh, you get to search your library for a creature with the same total power and toughness and put it into play. And if you do, you shuffle your library. Um, Total power and toughness is important here because I mentioned earlier that... Inkwell Leviathan is a 7-11, which is 18 total power and toughness, and Terrasty Nasty, Terastodon, is a 9-9. So those are both 18 total power and toughness if you add them together, which means that when you play Inkwell Leviathan, you get to go through your deck and get a Terastodon for free, put it into play. That one can't even be countered if, you know, the original creature resolves. So you get a 7-11, Ivanwalk Trample Shroud, and you get a 9-9, you get to blow up three things for a total investment of 9 mana. Or 8 if you cast the rest on. Other things you can do include you can play Tromacratus and you can get Stormcloud Leviathan or Svenvoda. If you play Simic Sky Swallower, you can get Shipbreaker Kraken. If you play Sharkto Crab, you can get another 4 4 or a 3 5. But I, I know there's another 4 4 in here that I was thinking of anyway. But alas, you, uh, you see my point here. It, I think in this deck in particular, it actually like can do some pretty dirty things. I'm pretty keen to like get my hands on this deck our upgrades and just kind of see where it sits i've never seen wild pair as a card i realize it came out in uh conspiracy to take the crown 
Yeah, but that wasn't its original printing. It originally came out in uh, a much older set that I am struggling to remember. Plane of Chaos? No. Nope. Older than pl- older than that, hey? You keep talking, James. I'm going to look okay. at this. Well, I can see it here in uh, the Magic Online promos, Premium Deck Series Slivers, Take the Crown, and Plane of Chaos are the only printings that I can see here. Time, Time Spiral, hey? Well, it's in that okay. block. It's it's the one with the two chains yeah, linked together. That's Plane of Chaos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, three times James is right in this else. episode. I thought you said plane no, shift. No, not plane shift. Pla- planar chaos. <laughs> okay. Yep. Which I actually like the art of the planar chaos version more than the other version of the art. I mean, if you have a chance to go and look at them, tell them what you think. And you can do that by getting at us at Twitter at CMDR at arms, or you can do it at Instagram, which is commander.at.arms, where we do the Cracker Pack series. I put up spoilers of the episodes we're going to be doing. We also have the email address which is commanderatarmspod at gmail.com. You can send us your deck submissions, your deck text, and your episode submissions, and your episode suggestions, sorry. Um, we also have a brand new merch shirt where you can rep Commander at Arms on your chest. You can get that from the link in the description below. We also have a new way of supporting the show, and that is with our TCG affiliate link. Now, in the show notes below, I'm going to be having a link to this deck where you can buy it on TCG Player. I'm going to have a link to the upgrade list where you can just hit the buy now button and get those cards shipped to your address, ready to go, ready to sleeve up and smash face. We also have the Patreon where you can support us directly at patreon.com slash commander at arms. And that's all I have to say this episode. Paul, did you want to add anything in the end there? Tune in next week where we'll be talking about the other pre-constructed deck for the commander legends release um after that if anybody's interested i actually already put together a list for zara and the red blue commanders if people want to see that then i'm happy to share that i already put it together and bought the stuff i need for it i'm extremely excited but other than that that's all i wanted to say awesome and with that i'm james and i'm paul and you've been listening to the newest episode of the commander at arms podcast peace see ya